to The Anthroposopher, where we bring anthroposophy to life through interviews, conversations, and explorations. I'm Lars Scappatici, your host. On this episode of The Anthroposopher, I talk with a forager, a vintner, a plant scientist student from the University of Central Florida, and a lot of young voices, including the Jewish Farmers Network. What do they all have in common? The 2019 Biodynamic Association Conference that was held in New York State. One thing comes through loud and clear, that this was an inclusive conference focused on the spiritual and social aspects of what biodynamic farming can do for the world. Want to find out more about biodynamics? Go to biodynamics.com and check out their 2020 conference in Colorado. And if you like what you're hearing on our podcast, go to our website, anthroposophy.org, and check out our webinars, including one with Gunter Hawk and Alex Tuchman about the honeybees. Consider joining the ASA today to support all our educational programs about anthroposophy in the world, including this podcast. Stay tuned at the end to hear voices from some very, very young people that attended the conference this year. Hey, Maximilian. Hey, Laura. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. great. Thank you. Well, we, we just met here at the Biodynamic Conference mm. in Lake George, New York. And so can, tell, me, um, tell me your full name and like where you live and mm. what, what brought you here. Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. My name is Maximilian Lionman, and I'm from Spring Valley, New York, which is two and a half hours south of here. And I live in the land of the Lenape people. So I have somewhat of a connection to them. I'm learning some of their language and some of their languages, uh, their names for plants. So, <laughs> so, but my connection mainly is kind of with the Pfeiffer Center here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got a scholarship to come here and I'm really interested in plants. Um, so I'm a, I forage, I'm a forager and I make medicine and I teach kids about primitive skills and I'm really excited to be here. It's been really a great time so far. That's so. great. What a cool thing. You forage? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I mean, like, yeah. I understand that, like, conceptually, but I maybe haven't done it in the mm. way that you're talking about. So. Yeah, I mean, well, conception, it's like, that's how it starts. Mm-hmm. But it's what the season's like right now. We have, like, rose hips, and we have... Um, White pine, I make lots of like white pine tea. I make, I'm making medicine, yellow dock, mm. and um, it's so it's it's really kind of just taking note of what's in your environment and what's like what your body's needing. Also, a big thing for me is like looking into the research. So I've been mm. studying North American ethnobotany, and also recently, more recently, European ethnobotany, mm. and. Not so much remarrying the two, but kind of understanding the, the differences and the similarities, because I think there's a lot to be learned there, and I've talked to a lot of people, and it seems like it's, there's not like much out there in terms of um, understanding um, that kind of where that where that comes from. Mm-hmm. So say more, say more. Like, what would I be researching if I was looking at that? Okay, awesome. Well, so you know, I often use Google Scholar, mm-hmm. and so recently I've been studying, uh, I can jump to Europe. Well, since we're actually, we'll start here. I've been studying um, the, what's called in Eastern North America, mm-hmm. the early agricultural complex. Mm-hmm. So this was before maize got here. Um, maize was brought to this part of the world around a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. And That's it, like corn? Corn, yeah, maize. Uh-huh. It came across North America from the Southwest, mm-hmm. uh, as well as a few other crops, but from what I'm seeing, um, I've done a little research with the New York State Museum and been looking at some archaeology and 
so maize was an important food is an important food crop but in this time period maize and sunflower and Jerusalem artichoke or sunchoke um, a plant called marsh elder mm. actually haven't seen this plant yet but it, I think it grows mostly in marsh, uh, saltwater estuaries cool and an echinoponium which is um, kind of related to quinoa mm-hmm. um, it's called goosefoot which is uh, a weed in a lot of agricultural fields around here but it's it was a traditional it is a traditional food still but it was er- part of that early agricultural complex in mm-hmm. eastern North America before and so this is cons- this is under the what's called the, the woodland era so this is the woodland era describes the time period in eastern north or North America before Columbus got here mm. so just like how in Europe we have the neolithic the paleolithic the right. the mesolithic right. there's certain similarities in terms of there there are different naming systems in different continents but it's so I've been it's been really interesting and so that's where I, I, I have done that research over the last few years and trying to increase my botanical skills like looking at going out in the field with my field guide and mm-hmm. my little lens to look at flowers mm. being able to identify plants how do you like how does that like shape you like as a person I feel like <laughs> to have that connection with different plants like can you talk about that connection a little bit like just being with them hmm yeah, I'm starting to learn it, you know. Um, that's a good question, to be with the plants. I mean, it's, like, so foundational, you know. Um, I think it's, like, this very human, deep human right that we all have and that we all have the ability. I think we all can slightly have a slightly different perception mm-hmm. and perceptive ability, but, yeah, I still think it's just, like, something that I think everybody can enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just pay attention to those, like those small things, like the color of the petal and and the way the stem moves, and it's mm-hmm. just such a beautiful, just like it's, it's such a beautiful art, you know. And I'm really, I'm kind of new to it. I'm only, I'm 24, but I've been doing this only for maybe like four or five years. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, in my community, you know, I'm 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 kind of like a rarity. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I know, I know, like. Um, and it's important there, I think, because my medicine that I bring is some of that kind of plant connection to the wild plants. Yeah. Um, and that's my medicine, I think, right now. Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, I just, I feel like, I like what you're saying, like, it's a right and it's a, it's something for everyone. And um, just to notice, like, just to look closely, you know, I feel like we're always, like, looking down or looking out or looking mm. and just feeling, not even looking anywhere because we're just so inside. And when you mm. take... A plant like that, and you have that connection with it. You're really takes you out of yourself a little bit. Mm. Do you, does that is that true? Do you feel like it takes you out of yourself a bit? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, like it's like I am the flower. I am mm. that. I am the. I am the white pine. I am that mm. coyote. I am that. I am that uh, blue jay. Mm. Um, I am that red-tailed hawk. I am that you know mm. body of water. And I think Native people everywhere kind of. Th- think in that way thought in that way like Mm -hmm. kind of we have this body but then there's like human you know there's definitely a life force and and all that we see so yeah so um what else is on your mind yeah well yeah i'm 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 planning um to go to europe soon and gonna going there to study in contact with some researchers um studying old herbal things mm-hmm. so there's a lot of research been done about like 
I don't, I don't necessarily need to go to the villages and talk to the people mm-hmm. about what plants they still use or which, you know, which wild plants people still gather, which plants they still cultivate, which they use for medicine or food. Because mm-hmm. a lot of that research has been done. Um, but I don't think that's really, it's getting out to the public so well. And I think it's important, especially as a Caucasian person living in North America. I've done a lot of work with Native people in North America, but yet I still feel like there's a part of me that's missing. That's like I'm forgotten something. And so mm. I feel like that's why I've been called to to learn some of the European ways because it it's, this makes a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. And you have some or some um, origins there, like from yeah. your family. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Central Europe mostly. Central Europe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, we're immigrants here, you know, too. You know, yeah. not too long ago that my ancestors came here mm-hmm. and had to learn. And I, you know, there's still a lot for me to learn and. Um, uh, I'm really looking. I want to develop new skills too. I've been practicing a lot of primitive skills, but yet I, I just feel like there's so much to learn yeah. um, in terms of just living, being able to be, you know, a few, full human yes. and self-reliant. I mean, within a community, but not dependent on industry. Right. You yeah. know, that's a perfect way to say it. Within a community, but not dependent <laughs> on industry. Right. So the community is 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 connecting with itself, but it doesn't have to go outside of that to yeah. the industrial complex. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the lone wolf mentality. I get it. I think I think Native people, Indigenous peoples everywhere, have the ability to go out and survive. Mm-hmm. But I think the ability to thrive, um, really, when we're social organisms, I think we really need a community. And mm-hmm. it's it's it makes it a lot easier. You know, mm-hmm. if some, someone's doing this job and you're doing this job, then you can kind of come together. Yeah. There's a saying I like that, the best place to store food is in your neighbor's belly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that's great. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking with me. Is yeah. there is there anything you want to say that you didn't get to say so far? That's a great question. Um, not really. I think um, definitely just a humbling experience coming here and seeing people's people that have their own medicine and and really. The, all the research that people are doing, it's really inspiring, and um, I feel kind of right at home here. Yeah. So it's good to get away, too, and up in the mountains and the fresh air. And, and um, thank, you for, thank you for having me on your podcast, Laura. Thank you for being willing to chat today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Awesome. Bye. Hey, Jenna. Hey there. <laughs> so um, we just kind of met in the past few days at this conference, and I know it's your first time at a biodynamic conference and I thought maybe you could tell me what brought you guys here and what your impressions are and you know maybe what you'll take away with you so just just say your whole name and where you're from and how old you are too so my name is Jenna Osmani Um, I'm from Orlando Florida Uh, I am yeah Florida born and raised and uh, I am a fourth year plant sciences student at the University of Central Florida and what brought me here? So I've always really been interested in agriculture. I grew up in a family business where my family had a little market. It was an open-air market. And uh, we also set up at farmer's markets where we sold locally grown fruits and vegetables. And they had quite the green thumbs themselves, too. But they would mostly buy from other farmers. So I would say I've always been really connected to plants. Um, and then when I got into college, uh, that's when I think my love for plants really grew. I got really interested in ethnobotany and studying the history of medicinal plants. Um, and then I've integrated that in um, just my own, my own personal life and my own garden at home. Um, I, I started learning about permaculture and sustainable living. Uh, and 
I guess, taking a new approach on the way that we look at growing food because it is such an essential and uh, primal part of our existence. And I think that there's a lot that's wrong with it right now. And it's very clear of that given, given our current food situation. So I work for our Arboretum, and we have a big organic community garden. I'm always looking for new ways to pretty much just better nurture the green spaces that I do live in and I do, you know, I do work in. So I heard about biodynamics, I think through, um, I, I think I heard about Waldorf schooling before it, mm -hmm. um, and then through through my working at my parents' market, now it's coming back to me, uh, they sold the biodynamic wine, and I thought that's interesting. What does what does that exactly mean, and how's how's that different from organic, you know, plain organic, um, organically grown things? So I think that's where my journey really started, and I found out about uh, the conference and the association about a year ago, and I'm really grateful that I I was able to get a scholarship actually to come here, as well as um, my university actually helped pay for me to come here, which I'm really grateful for. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think? What's kind of stood out to you, or what impressions do you have from your experience? It, immediately, uh, I think that everyone's been really warm and welcoming, which is really nice. I feel like I'm in an atmosphere of people who all are here for common and greater purpose, mm -hmm. uh, which is always like really nice. It's like a breath of fresh air, right? Because you don't feel so isolated, which I think as an environmentalist, sometimes it's easy to get to feel down about the world and the world state, but it seems like everyone here is very optimistic and um, is all here because they want to change the things that they don't like to see, I think. Right. So... Yeah, I, I think that I've really enjoyed connecting with people the most so far, and the classes have been really wonderful as well, but I would say that uh, I came here with a really main focus to connect with other people who are also attending. Yeah, it yeah. seems to be happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and who are you here with? Um, I'm here with my partner, Michael. Mm -hmm. um, he's also a student, and he actually studies uh, mechanical, me mechanical engineering. Oh. And But he's really looking into ways that we can optimize and improve um, agriculture, so he wants to kind of take a more, uh, I guess, biology kind of related route uh, okay. with, with engineering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did he go down to the Pendragon um, uh, stall at the end, the vendor? He's, he has the equipment and the, yeah, he should check him out. Yeah. I, no, I don't <laughs> think he has yet, but uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure that he eventually will sometime in the next couple of days. Yeah, I should definitely go chat with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you tell me, you have these really interesting earrings on, too, and they look very um, organic in nature. Can you yeah, tell me what they're made yeah. of? Actually, I got these at the Florida Herbal Conference, which is another wonderful conference to go to if you're interested in medicinal plants and uh, land stewardship. Uh, it's it's down in Central Florida. It's ho hosted by the Florida School of Holistic Living, which is a school that I actually am um, pretty, I, I'm pretty involved with. Mm -hmm. It's in Orlando, Florida. And I bought this from a vendor, and they're actually jacaranda seeds mm. from the jacaranda tree that is native to Africa. But it it grows. I I won't. I guess I I don't think it's invasive, but it it's a non-native plant. So it's I think it's an interesting form of uh, non-native species management. Is just taking yes. taking the seeds and um, you know 
Making them into earrings. Making them into something beautiful. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, wearable. Yeah. They're already beautiful. I love them so much. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anything else you want to share about? I mean, you've been at our little anthroposophy table, yeah. too, which is <laughs> yeah. new, I think. Right? Yeah, I attended the anthroposophy 101 class yesterday, and I really like the exercises that we did, and I think it's something that I'm going to implement more in my life. I think that... Um, I still, I'm still really interested and I think I'm still trying to figure out what, what the whole philosophy all means. Yeah. So I definitely would like to read more into it because I didn't know too much before going into the class. I kind of just stumbled in there. Yeah. So, but I really like the exercises and the very basic principles like, uh, clear thinking or clear mindedness Mm -hmm. and, uh, right action. Mm -hmm. All those definitely resonate with me or something that I'm trying to work towards in my own life. So yeah, yeah, I definitely, um, would like to learn more. And anything else you want to share? Um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Uh, there's a couple more days left of the conference, so I'm really grateful to be up here. And it's been nice and chilly, which I'm totally not used to. Yes! <laughs> so it's been it's, it's definitely been a nice change, though. So I'm really grateful to be here, and I hope to be back again next year or sometime in the future. Awesome. Okay, mm-hmm. thanks for chatting with me mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. All right, bye. Hey, Zoe. <laughs> Hi. Hi. So um, we're just tucked into a workshop room after an amazing keynote um, with the director of Soul Fire Farm, um, and maybe we'll talk about her in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, we were in a workshop space together, yeah. and we just keep bumping into mm-hmm. each other. So can you just tell, say your full name and where you're from and how old you are and how, what, how you got here? Okay. I'm Zoe Scruggs. I'm from Delaware. I got here because a friend of mine, Ute, who's also here at this conference, was just like, hey, I'm going to this biodynamic conference. I want to go there and geek out with you. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, I applied to the scholarship and the volunteer like package thing, and I got it, and that's how I was able to get here. And yeah, it's been great meeting all these people. Yeah. who are into biodynamics or new to it, because I feel new to it. Yeah, I think there are like 400 new or first-time um, conference attendees here. Mm-hmm. So, so many new people. Um, how did you get connected to it at all? Mm-hmm. Is this your first like experience of biodynamics, or you have something going on in Delaware? Well, I worked at a biodynamic farm, like two different biodynamic farms this summer. I worked at one in Maine, Hope Maine is called <laughs> Hope's Edge Farm. Okay. Um, and then I worked at an artist residency. I interned there that also took place on a biodynamic farm, and they were called Space on Rider Farm. Okay. And so Ute, who is the person who invited me, had also worked at that farm in Maine the year before me. Gotcha. So that kind of became our little community or bubble of biodynamics, is those things. What did you notice about biodynamics that maybe uh, stuck out to you? Well, at one farm, it was like the practice was very much there, and it was like, if there's an eclipse, we're not planting because we don't want the flowers to get messed up, or we only plant flowers on flower days, and we were paying attention to the leaf days and all those things. But it wasn't really being explained as much it was like in practice and there was a calendar and we were invited to read about it and stuff but 
it was just like more of a thing that I was embodying through working with them. And then at the other farm that I interned at after that, somebody was talking about biodynamics just being like conscious of putting back what you're taking from the earth. Mm. And I feel like on that farm, I was less involved with the practice of the farm and more so with the artist residency. But that little nugget like stuck with me and made that previous experience make sense. Gotcha. So it was like this, um, just a few words that sort of explains um, the gesture of it. Like mm-hmm. just give back what you take, right? Yeah, yeah cool. Uh, tell me about the, uh, You are you an artist then? Mm-hmm. Wow, can you talk about your art? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I studied at the Rhode Island School of Design. Um, and I feel like I got into farming while being there and I met Claudia Ford and that's also like a farm connect. Um, and she's amazing. <laughs> she is amazing. She's been introducing all the speakers, and she's on the uh, board mm-hmm. of the Biodynamic Association. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And she's a professor at uh, RISD? She used to work at RISD. Okay. Now she works at Potsdam. Okay. Think, oh, yeah. yeah. I think we just heard about that yeah. a little bit, too. Okay. In their music program. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm an artist. I studied painting for four years, and in that journey of painting, I started looking up stories about, like, reparations and 40 acres and a mule and all of that stuff. And then because I was looking at that and, like, stories about land loss, and my dad had told me and my siblings a story about how our like great grandfather, great great grandfather had like 98 acres of land. He was like a sharecropper and he was like the shit in Virginia or wherever. (laughs) (laughs) And then he died and our family was like arguing over what should be done with the land and they just gave it away. And so I was like looking into, uh, yeah, it's like horrific. (laughs) Oh man. Because they were like, it's just driving the family apart. So Right, right, yeah, understand. I started looking to other stories about that and that brought me to that like story about 40 acres and a mule and that idea of like like there was a promise of a certain amount of land and then it didn't happen and so that's where the reparations idea came from so yeah it's like I was just looking into lots of things I I was in an environmental justice class at Brown because you were able to do a crossover while at RISD Um, and just started looking at black farmers and it felt like the work they were talking about doing connected all these ideas about social justice and like sharing wealth or whatever and farming and caring about the environment together and also this element of like creation Mm. like creating as an artist but then also like growing something out of the ground being some form of creating Mm. and I feel like that's how those things come together for me Mm. that's really beautiful yeah Yeah. it's so interesting I feel like since becoming a farmer or like making this promise to myself to like take care of the land like all of those opportunities from farming have been generative and like helped me like sustain my art practice like I'll get a job in farming or some grant from farming and I'll be able to go places and do art or work with all these farms and stuff like that. That is an amazing, like, symbiosis, right? Mm -hmm. Like, probably it sounds like it was unexpected how they support each other like that. Yeah, and you, like, 
I love how you said they were both like creative acts. So yeah. Well, we just had a bunch of people walk in. So um, yeah. So where can we find your art? Um, you can find it. I have a website, zoescrugs.com. <laughs> okay, great. Spell your full name so everybody can find it. Z-O-E-S-C-R-U-G-G-S.com. <laughs> awesome. I'm so going to check it out. Thank Sweet. you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with Thank me. You. Your story is so beautiful. Thank you. Thank Sweet. you. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> hey, Shani. <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> hey, hey, Jared. Hello. So um, we're sitting outside in a, a little bit of a sunny spot outside the Biodynamic Conference 2019 at the Sagmore Resort, which is very fancy. So fancy. And it's beautiful, right? This lake is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So you're both doing like two very different things, and we'll see if there's any commonality. I guess biodynamics would be the commonality in there somewhere, <laughs> or farming is, right? But um, Shani, can you just let us know where you're from and how old you are and what you're doing? And um, yeah. So uh, my name is Shani Mink. I am 25 years old, and I'm the executive director of the Jewish Farmer Network, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is um, focused on building community and uh, building Jewish identity amidst uh, Jews engaged in agriculture. So for a lot of young Jewish folks that are farming today, they feel like very distant from the Jewish tradition and because we've been taught that what it looks like to be a Jewish person is to be a doctor or a lawyer or a business person. Um, but the Jewish tradition is filled with amazing, wise, surprisingly relevant um, wisdom and knowledge about how to do agriculture regeneratively, how to do it in a way that takes care of those on the margins of our community, um, just visionary social justice, um, and earth care. So we're trying to bring Jewish farmers back into the fold and to help them build cultural identity that relates to their work. Wow. Okay. So this is uh, so new to me. I'm so glad you're sharing it. I mean, I stereotypically just know of like from uh, my Jewish literature class in college about the, like the kibbutz kind of experience, right? And like farming there. Am I even saying it right? Probably. Yeah. Not. No. You actually. But said yeah. It right. So that sort of experience that I was always super interested in because it was like community and farming and like. Um, sort of shared principles. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know where that, if there's any intersection with that yeah. or it's like sort of some roots in that at all. Like, So what's what's interesting is that um, a lot of folks, when I talk about my work, that's like one of the first things that come up. So that's based in the Zionist socialist movement. Mm-hmm. And um, our work is for all Jewish farmers um, and kind of I don't want to say divorce from a relationship from Israel, but when you bring Israel into the conversation, things get kind of hard. But this is just about Jewish identity. This is about the wisdom of our, of our shared ancestors and um, trying to like learn from that and build identity around that because, um, you know, Jews are often referred to as the people of the book, but before we were the people of the book, we were the people of the land. We used to enact Mm -hmm. our, our spirituality, our relationship with the divine through our relationship with the land. And after, um, moving into diaspora, we um, kind of lost that connection and, and moved into being book people. But um, there's mm-hmm. so much wisdom there and so much that we can learn from our ancestors about how to do this agriculture right and how to honor their legacy. And wow. yeah. 
That's amazing. Do well by our neighbors. Yeah. Okay. So can you give me some examples of practices? Like are there specific yeah, things? Yeah. So hey. there's um, this like visionary crop rotation uh, practice called Shemitah, which is where um, just like we rest every seventh day on the Sabbath, we let the land rest every seven years. So every seven years you let your um, annual plots be fallow and you don't cultivate anything and and what that means is that in the six years prior to that you have to be preparing for that seven years you have to be canning and preparing you have to be investing in perennials you have to really be doing this like deep prep work and have this like long line vision and then also you get to honor the land and all of its hard work and give it a break on its time scale right so people we have like our time scale that we're existing on and time moves for us in a different way that it moves for the natural world and we get to honor the land with that every seven years and there's also a socioeconomic component of Shemitah so as every seven cycles of seven is the Jubilee year so there's seven cycles of Shemitah and then the Jubilee and in the Jubilee it's like this great release mm. of you take down all your fences you release all of the debts all of like the land goes back to its original owners it's like this amazing i mean though in this modern world it's like hard to kind of vision how that can be practically put into place it is though today like a really amazing thought experiment and inspiration um for how we can do right by our land and um yeah to help just be in like yeah, just to be regenerative. This mm. like be in regenerative relationship with our land, with our neighbors, with our money, and like mm-hmm. with, like all of these things. Just to kind of, it's mm-hmm. a great release of just like I don't own anything because there yeah. isn't really in the Jewish tradition like a like there's no concept of like land ownership. Like we don't we don't own it. So mm-hmm. um, Sarah, Julia, Selden, and I we live on land outside of uh, Asheville, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and we're really like serious about like when people come to our land and they say, Oh, you're, where's the property end. Right. And it's like, we don't like the, the, the name property. Right. we don't like to think of it that way because that's not like, mm. like though we might have the deed to this land, like we don't own it. It's just like the land that we're on. And this is, right. and this is what we're stewarding. And we feel grateful to steward this land and to learn from it and to try to, every day do better in being in right relationship to that sort of land. So that's Shemitah. And then there's also, um, there's a whole kind of like collection of Jewish agricultural laws that are about how to take care of the stranger and the orphan and the widow. So Mm. like leaving in the laws of pay, you leave the corners of your field for those in need. If you, leave anything behind you can't like go back and pick it up because those are for the people that are in need in your community you have to give master you have to give 10 percent to those in need in your community so there's all of these things that are built in to our agricultural system to make sure that no matter what we're doing we're taking care of everybody in our community and doing food justice in a way that's like really vibrant alive and like honors the work of the neighbors so it's not just like giving it but allowing them to come and glean and like be involved in the process and that's like super beautiful yeah. to me wow yeah so <laughs> I'm so glad I'm talking with you I'm like this is all so new and beautiful mm-hmm. how do people find you like how would I look you up like what's your so we have a we started um, in January of 2017 with just a Facebook group which uh-huh. has, now has 800 members which wow. is super beautiful and amazing um, we have a really vibrant um instagram 
uh, following and we post the stories of like modern Jewish farmers because we, um, I'm really into the idea of if you can see it, you can be it. So for most mm-hmm. young Jewish folks, you don't grow up seeing other Jewish folks engaged in agriculture. And so we're trying to bring that visibility to say to these young folks, like, look at all of these amazing Jewish food heroes that are like doing this work and like across the full religious spectrum of Judaism and the full expression of it and across the full gender spectrum. And like, you can see yourself in the work. So that's really beautiful. We have a website and then we are hosting our first uh, annual conference in February, the February 13th to 16th at the Pearlstone Center in Ricerstown, Maryland, uh, where I used to steward land. And it's going to bring together like a hundred plus Jewish farmers from all over the country and across the religious spectrum. And we're going to get wow. together to learn practical farm skills, food justice, community building, and also um, to dig into Jewish agricultural wisdom. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so jewishfarmernetwork.org. Dot, dot dot org. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to turn it over to Jared, and like, it's a little cold, and we have other workshops to go into. So um, let's start talking. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, so um, Jared, you are on a winery in Napa? That is correct. Uh, okay. My name is Jared Pierce, and I am owner and winemaker of AJ Pierce Wines in Napa. Uh, first of all, I'm I don't even know what to say. That was so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing, Shani. I mean, uh, the the reason that I come to this conference is for stuff just like this, you know, mm-hmm. this sort of interwoven stories that we're all, that it intertwines all of us, but at the same time, we're all having our own independent experience of it. So it's really amazing to come here and meet so many people that, that we have so much in common with. Uh, but my vision uh, and what really brings me into to biodynamics is by way of uh, of making wine. I mean, ultimately, that's the end product of what we're farming, which is the vineyards, these are the grapes, and the beautiful Napa Valley. Um, but there's a wine, there's a term that's being thrown around in wines called terroir. It's a French word. Mm-hmm. And the idea of terroir is really uh, the story of, of, of place. You know, it's the story of, of the vineyard. And terroir is, is really the unique composition that that is given year after year that should tell the full story of the growing season, the, the rain, the heat, the sun, the soil, uh, the variety, uh, farming practice, all this that really gets expressed within terroir. And for, for my wines, unlike most wineries that do blends of different vineyards and blends of different varieties, I do 100% single varieties from 100% single source. Mm-hmm. So I actually bring in grapes from a single vineyard and they stay isolated for the entire aging process. And so I'm already trying to express the sort of single origin, which goes into this sort of whole farm organism. And in expressing terroir through through wines and through the viticulture, I'm trying to really learn to, to amplify this, right? Like kind of within the whole farm organism, which ties right into biodynamics, as yeah. I believe the ultimate expression of terroir will be found through biodynamics. Um, it, it just... It, 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 is so parallel to to my vision and my thoughts and really trying to emulate what a lot of the, the famous wineries in, in Europe do. I mean, some of the most famous wineries in France and all over Europe are they're just so committed to biodynamics. And it's a relatively new old concept to us yeah. in the United States. Um, and so I'm, I'm really here hoping to learn a lot. And I have been in network and, and really keep striving to, uh, yeah, yeah, to keep doing the best wines possible and showcasing uh, these site-specific wines, you know. Yeah. yeah, that that is so great. I mean, the wine, the biodynamic wine movement is just exploded. And so it's so 
um, nice to hear this why, like the reason behind it, because it's it's simpatico with what wine means, mm -hmm. you know, it seems to me, and the experience of wine and um, the origins of wine and like that, can you say that word again? Terroir. T-E-R-R-O-I-R. -R -R. <laughs> yes. I, I feel like I have a brother-in-law that's like a sommelier or something, yeah. or he did some, and so I've, I think I've heard him say that very nice word. So, um, <laughs> but now I understand how it relates to biodynamics. That makes a lot of sense. So, hmm, what else? Yeah, um, I mean, that's that's basically, I guess, the, the main vision, and, and I mean, on top of that, there's also this sort of stewardship to the land. I mean, I am in a valley which is famous for wine. It is monocrop to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, you know, there is a lot of talk, especially in biodynamics and, and other agriculture, of, of turning over crops and being more conscious in, in biodiversity. We don't really have that luxury in this perennial system that is, like, so famous for this one, for, for grapevines. We don't have a lot of biodiversity. And so within biodynamic concepts, we're able to start implementing uh, better cover crops, hedgerows, um, and start focusing on actually this sort of regenerative agriculture and giving back rather than always taking. And in a perennial system, it's it's more difficult to find ways to give back because we're not able to just till the land, you know? And yeah. so there's, there is no fallow period. Like we don't really necessarily have that luxury. I like, I love your vision, Shani, <laughs> what you were talking about earlier, uh, but it's really difficult um, with grapevines. So us being stewards of the land and making sure that we are, you know, if we're going to protect this, you know, Napa Valley is what I know. Yeah. Uh, if we're going to protect this for multiple generations, we're going to actually have to do our part and, there's a threshold at some point where we can't really go back. We can't really undo what has been done, you know, what happens to watersheds. And you can't really, you know, knock down an oak woodland and have it bounce right back. So for me, it's also trying to be really conscious of it. Whether or not wines ever get marketed as certified biodynamic and all of this stuff is, is one aspect. But for me, I want to be able to lay my head on the pillow at night and say, you know, at least I'm doing my part, mm -hmm. you know, and at least trying to show uh, what good can come from it too. And then trying to, again, just uh, give inspiration as I've been inspired and continue to, again, just be the steward of the land that I call home, where I sleep, where I drink right. my water, where I eat my food. And, right. um, and yeah. Awesome. Okay. So I am so grateful for that because I feel like I understand the wine the whole biodynamic wine. I mean, we've been able to taste so many amazing wines, and we should, shouldn't you want to go to Napa with me, and we can just go? Yes, <laughs> yes please. <laughs> okay, so any any crossover or comments you wanted to share with each other since we're here in the, in the minute we have left or so? Yeah, I mean, I'm really, I mean, I'm just so inspired by everything that, that you shared, and I yeah. think that there's just... Um, I'm just this is why I'm here again just these inspirations <laughs> and hearing your story and there's there's so much sharing here right yeah. so like you you just gave me something that I'm going to take back and I'm going to implement in some sort in some sense you know it, li it lives in me now this is like a part of my truth and I'm hoping that at the same time I'll get the an experience to give you something of my truth that you can maybe hold on to and use in, in, in your own way and I think this this sort of uh, sharing and giving is just like Everything here is so reciprocal, and yeah. there is, we all are really sharing in the same experience. So how is it all, in, like, I think there's so much, like, intertwined here that, yeah. that there's not even words to even explain. Well, it's like, it's biodynamic. Yeah. It's, like, all connected. Yeah. It's the conference organism. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's so, it's really beautiful, I think, that, like, 
as like a larger farming movement, we've been moving towards uh, recognition of more indigenous wisdom. So with the awareness that like permaculture is an amalgamation of like Mm -hmm. indigenous wisdom that like two white guys from Australia just codified into something that they called permaculture. Right. right? And then to have Leah Penniman here today speaking about um, Afro-indigenous spirituality and earth wisdom Mm -hmm. and then to be bringing, you know, I feel really excited to be bringing, you know, Jews back to that consciousness and then also being able to like share that with people Mm -hmm. that like these are ancient technologies that are surprisingly relevant today Mm -hmm. and like we don't need to be constantly reinventing the wheel we have all of these like systems of thought that just you know Mm -hmm. can inform us and are just like so wise like we were wise before conventional agriculture and like we're finding ways to be wise again thank you both so much this has been amazing we had a little spot in the sun and now we'll go back in and have some fun i just rhymed okay all right i'll talk to you guys later thank you you. bye Hey, Elias. <laughs> um, we really just met, and we're at the Biodynamic Conference in New York, and I just um, saw you on stage, like, doing a little uh, rhyming last night, um, and I've seen you around connecting with people, uh, so can you just tell me your full name and how old you are and where you're, where you're from, and what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my name is Elias Jazz Aguilar Hassel, and I'm from upstate New York. And I've already forgotten your question, but I'll just keep on. Um, How old are you? I'm I'm nineteen. No, eighteen years old. <laughs> <laughs> Almost nineteen, I guess. Almost nineteen. <laughs> and um, I came here with some people that I knew, and I also went to the Northeastern Biodynamic Conference. Um, that's how I know Jeff. I okay, suppose. Jeff Poppin. Yeah. The barefoot farmer. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, so what what's interesting to you here? What brought you here? There's a lot of interesting things, and mostly for the getaway sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, to get away from like normal life and be able to reflect on it. I think that's an important aspect for me. And there's been a lot of really deep content, um, but then also the quality it keeps living on, which is even better, because um, sometimes content is overwhelming. But if it's quality, then it just keeps on living. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, like, what what's living in you right now? What's living? In, well, <laughs> um, I'm sitting with you, and <laughs> um, yeah, I guess this is what is going on right now. Mm-hmm. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> this and, is it. <laughs> yeah, and um, inner life is like excited, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um. Just because I suppose I'm being recorded. Yeah, it is kind of exciting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. And um, we're sitting in a beautiful, like, little sunlit spot right outside the convention mm-hmm. center, um, where we saw a lot of great music last night, and we've heard a lot of amazing people speak. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. any of those words or things that you heard? Um, you're kind of carrying around with you today? Yeah, definitely. The music last night. So I had already known this artist named Young Paris, and I also kind of knew that his sister was Lady Moon, and I didn't know who she was. Um, but at one point, I I chose a person. I said, that might be Lady Moon. 
And so I said, what's your name? And she told me um, her name. And then I forget what it was, but then she was like, or Lady Moon. And I was like, that's right. And, um, and then we were chatting a little bit. And I mentioned to her that I like to freestyle. And then she invited me to participate in the live music that night. Um, only for like um, 32 bars. And um, yeah, so then I went in there when they were practicing. And I tried it out. And I didn't actually end up freestyling. I ended up saying a little verse that I had memorized. Um, so it was really great for me just kind of getting to perform for people and getting a little buzz and then also just because that's something I like to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was such a good mood in that room. Like everybody was really feeling it yeah. and the the lyrics um were so um conscious. Like they were just like elevated lyrics and like the the message about connection and freedom and um the earth and I mean it was just all right there. Can you can you say the verse you said? <laughs> yeah, Since sure. you have it memorized? Awesome. Yeah. The verse goes like this. So many names my love does have. So many faces and so many paths. So many dreams, yeah, you showed to me. I was there. He told me so. He was the one speaking through me long time ago. It was my father's song. And my love comes to me shining bright as day. So they say, you chose the one and you chose the sun. So let's go back, back in time. So they say he was a dark demon done wrong. But it was the father all along. I can't pretend he wasn't because he was. His will be done like sparkles and fuzz. Whoa. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you write that? I wrote that. That's so great. <laughs> In my closet or something. <laughs> <laughs> In your closet. <laughs> That's a good place for writing things, I think. <laughs> so um, can you tell me a little bit more about what it means for you? I mean, I heard we lo- heard a lot about the ancestors like through this whole conference yeah. and in the music. So I hear yeah. a little echo of that there. Yeah, there's, um, I guess the echo is of a dream that I once had. And it was kind of, um, it might have been a serendipitous event, me performing. Um, because I had this dream a long time ago that actually inspired the song. And then when I was performing the song, it was kind of a reflection of the dream. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, it was something like I was, I was watching my father perform on stage. And he was pretty much like speaking himself into existence. And, um, yeah, he said something like, it was, like, the father speaking through him, and I don't remember what he said, but he was performing, and, um, yeah, my father's a musician, and that inspired that verse, and it also just, cause, yeah, it felt like I was dreaming, Wow. Yeah. That's really intense and beautiful. I like came to fruition, it sounds like, in a way, right? Yeah. That keeps happening. Yeah, that keeps <laughs> happening. Nice. Okay. So what do you think you'll take away from this conference? Like hmm. we still have another day, so maybe you don't know yet, but <laughs> Yeah. Well, if I were to leave today if I were to leave today, um, I'm not really sure because I tend to just kind of, I don't know, be in the moment. We all kind of are. Yeah. (laughs) And I know a lot of it I actually won't remember just because the way people put words. But, again, it's kind of like the, 
created images, and I think the images will live on rather than the words they used to describe those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, any any one more salient to you than or standing out like you picture in your head? Um, the astrology guy when he was talking about Saka? the phoenix, yeah, uh, <laughs> and oh, the dragon, yeah. and the oh, lion. that was uh, Michael DeLeo. Yeah, yeah. It was actually because of that. For some reason, I started thinking about freestyling. Like uh -huh. I'd seen that there was an open mic, and I was like, I'm not gonna do it. There's just too many people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, but when he was talking, I actually had that image in my head. Um, yeah. Yeah, he he put forth some really powerful images, the phoenix, the lion, and the dragon, right? Mm -hmm. They talked about the significance of all those, and yeah, and that made you think, maybe I could do this. I'm going to go forward? Yeah, I think it is something I can do. Um, yeah. Yeah, and people keep saying to keep doing it. Good. But, yeah. <laughs> well, keep mm -hmm. doing it. <laughs> it's so nice talking with you it was good to talk to you too okay bye <laughs> hey Jack and Renza so we're at the biodynamic conference in Lake George New York and it's 2019 and why don't you guys say your name where you're from how old you are and then anything any thoughts you have on biodynamics or this conference Hi, my name is Jack Burns. I'm 14 years old. Uh, my thoughts on the conference would be that it's very accepting and welcoming. Um, families are really encouraged to come and bring their children because they have an entire program dedicated for the kids to go hang out at. And I would also say that people who cannot speak English are also invited to come to the conference because there have been many alternatives in order to include them and allow them to participate in the workshops. Okay, awesome. So that like culture of inclusivity sounds like families, different languages, um, different cultures, everybody just all together um, caring for the planet, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Renza, how about you? Hi, I'm Renza Scafatici, and the thing that I liked about the biodynamic conference is that everybody's like really passionate about biodynamics and stuff, and it's really cool. What is it about biodynamics that you think is cool? Just everything, like going with like the earth instead of just like taking away you're like giving back awesome and how about you how about you jack you have anything um, else i find it interesting and as part of a solution to the climate change because one of the main focuses of biodynamics is carbon uh, sequestration basically pulling the carbon and other harmful substances out of the sky reversing the greenhouse effect and stopping uh global warming hey awesome wow okay any anything else you guys want to say about the conference or the people here or just your experience or your thoughts about biodynamics so i think uh it's a great community that we've built and i hope we can maintain that as it continues to grow Awesome. That's great. Yeah, there are about 600 people here, and I think about 400 of them are new this year, which is really incredible. First time at the conference. Renza, anything else you want to add? Uh, yeah, I really like the environment here. Like Jack said, it's like really friendly and welcoming and inclusive, and I think that's cool. And also important to make any movement go forward, right? That warmth. Okay, thank you, guys. It was awesome talking to you. Bye. 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 For joining us today on the Anthroposopher. Stay tuned for our next episode. Hey, Valentina McKenzie, we are at the Biodynamic Conference, and I thought you could tell everybody your name and how old you are and 
I did just say it, but they don't know your whole name. So say your name and how old you are and any thoughts you have about the conference, okay? Um, go ahead. Hi, my name is Mackie, and I am nine years old, and I thought the conference was very intriguing. Mm, what, what about it was intriguing for you? Mm, eating lots of yummy food. Yeah, there's all the food is like organic and biodynamic, right? And from all the farms. Yeah, and from all the farms. Was any food from your farm here this time? I don't think so. It has been in the past, right? Can you tell us the name of your farm? Do you have a name for your farm? Um, Yellow Barn Biodynamic. Awesome. Okay, and how about you, Valentina? What do you think about the conference? Hi, my name is Valentina. I'm eight years old. Um, I think the conference was just awesome. What made it awesome for you, Valley? Everything. Everything. Can you say anything specific that you liked? Um, the meals. <laughs> it's all about the food for these two. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for talking about the conference. Anything else you want to share? Mm. Yeah. There were a lot of kids here this year. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, there were a lot of friends. A lot of kids. And and you guys were part of the open mic, weren't you? Mm -hmm. What did you sing? We sung, This land is your land, this land is my land, from California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. Perfect. And we sang, what was the other one called? Oh, it went like this. Um, If I could, I would spend my days on the two-way Hudson or something like that. <laughs> on, the river, on the river that flows both ways, right? Okay, thank you, girls. Bye. If I could, I would spend my days. Hey, Benny and Marcello. Um, we are just finishing up. We're almost done with the conference here in Lake George, the Biodynamic Conference. Can you um, just say your name and how old you are and just something something that you think about biodynamics or this conference, your experience? Okay. Hi, I'm Ben Burns. I'm 12, 13 years old. Um, so far, the conference has been really, really fun. The kids' program has been fun. We get snacks. <laughs> and the food is amazing. <laughs> Hearing a lot about the food. What did you do in the kids' program today? Today we played drums and did stuff with worms. That's cool. Stuff with worms sounds awesome. Okay, how about you? Hello, my name is Marcello Scaptici, and I'm 10 years old. The conference has been great. I think biodynamic farming is really good for the earth and, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. but, the, but the conference had been great. and Didn't you see a keynote that you were really impressed with? You saw somebody speak? Oh, uh, yeah. Can you, can you talk about that person a little bit or what you heard that impressed you? Uh, it was really funny. Uh, she was kind of talking about, like, space, like, personal space, sort of, uh -huh. and, like, about chairs abusing you. Oh, okay. By, like, <laughs> chairs are the new smoking. Oh, oh, yeah. You know what? That, I think, is about um, how if people sit too long every day. Yeah. yeah, it's not good for you. That's right. So this is this is a conference about uh, health, in a way, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Anything else you guys want to say about the conference? I love it. Yeah. Um, it's super fun for kids. 
Super fun for kids. Do you agree? Yes, I agree. Okay. But that's because I'm 10. <laughs> okay, well, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Here. Sure.